Good morning, everybody. Hey, are you glad you came to church today? Amen. Well, we're glad you came too. How many are you here this morning that were at the Friday night citywide prayer and praise gathering? Isn't that a lot of fun? We had a great time, a great turnout. I thought it was a pretty good turnout, and I was really blessed uh, by, you know, just the, the variety of people from different churches on the worship team, and we had a couple that were representing from our church, and you know, that's a really important uh, thing for the church, the body of Christ, to get together in a city, in a community, uh, because we are all together the church, amen, and um, we are a church here right now this morning, but we're a part of the church, and It's just great to get together. We had a great time, and I really appreciate the vision uh, that they talked about a little bit about getting together at uh, the uh, Civic Center, and uh, so that's that's a goal. I don't know how many of you were here about 20 years ago. By the grace of God, uh, several, about eight or seven or eight churches uh, of us got together and we had a Sunday morning worship prayer and praise at uh, the Civic Center about 20 years ago. And uh, anybody here at that time? I know, yeah, a few hands, a few hands, a couple of us. So listen, hey, God can do it again. Amen. So anyway, that was, uh, that was a great time, and uh, one that I encourage you guys to take advantage of when you can. All right, so we're doing this series entitled The Good Life, and The Good Life is based on that idea of Jesus when he said, I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. And that word more abundantly has this idea of the overflowing abundance, just kind of an overflow of abundant life and that i'll tell you you can't you can't get gooder than that i mean that's to have that kind of life that's that's what we're really after well um and we so far we've talked about this idea that having a good life or uh, living a good life consists of following the good shepherd jesus is the good shepherd and living by and living uh heeding and reading the good book and then last week We talked about believing and receiving the good news to know, to know that you know that you know you're saved. How many of you know that you know that you know? Come on, that you're saved. I mean, there's no question. Your life has been changed by the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. And you're not the same anymore. You're a brand new creature. Yeah, you are a creature. You're brand new at it because Jesus changed you. You know what Christianity isn't? Christianity isn't me turning over a new leaf. Christianity is Jesus making me brand new. That's what Christianity is. And when you know that you know that you know that you know that you have eternal life, man, there's nothing like it. Praise God. And so that's, we got to have that if you're going to have the good life. We got to be right there. Well, today I want to talk to you on a message I've entitled, Choosing the Good Life. And I will confess to you that I'm bringing to you a message that I was wrestling with God about because this message that I'm doing today did not make my original cut list for this series. It got it got the it got the X'd out, and in fact, I don't even know if it was 
it was even on my radar, to be honest with you, at the time. But I felt like the Lord dropped this little story into my heart because of the little phrase, and we're going to read it here in just a moment. And I want to talk about choosing to live the good life. Now listen, let me just say something before I get to the scripture. Just because we've been promised life more abundantly doesn't mean we're actually living it. And we may not be living it. And really, the bottom line is, if Jesus promised it, it's up to us whether or not we're going to go after it. And you've been called to the good life, but because there, you know, yeah, we could say, oh yeah, we believe in the good life. But the question is, have you chosen to live the good life? Have you made that choice? And I want to talk to us here today about that. And I'm going to go to this little story. It's very famous. Well, I shouldn't say that. You may, this may be one of the first times you've ever heard the story. Many of us who've been around, we've heard it a long time. And it's a little story about Mary and Martha. And, um, you know, that hardworking Martha and that lazy, lay around, worshipful Mary. You know that, you know those two? Yeah, we're going to talk about those. The serving Martha and the seeking Mary. And uh, we're going to, just, uh, I think the Lord has something good for us here to, to say to us. Luke chapter 10, I want to begin at verse 38. Luke chapter 10, verse 38. It says, Now it happened that as Jesus and his disciples went through, they came to a certain village, and the village, the certain village is Bethany. And a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she approached Jesus and she said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things. But one thing is needful. And Mary has chosen that good part, which will not ever be taken away from her. And so that's the reading of God's Word. Let's keep our Bibles open there because I want to come back to the story. Let's just pray one more time. Lord, thank you for your presence here today. It, I feel like, Lord, we're going to say like David when it's all said and done, it was good that someone talked me into coming to church today. Hallelujah. It was good to come to church. It was good to be here. And Holy Spirit, we ask that in these next few moments that you would just have your way Lord, this is, uh, this is your word, and we need it. And so we pray for the power of your word to be at work in us right now, in Jesus' name. And everybody says amen. amen. Turn to somebody and tell them, this one's going to be just for you. That, just go ahead and tell them that. <laughs> now, think of it. Let this settle in us again. We can know... We can know Jesus as our personal Lord and Savior. We can know Him. We can have complete access to all of the promises of God's Word. We all have access to them. 
Because the promises of God are in Christ, and they are yes, and they are amen. We can know that we are eternally saved, and that we belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. And yet, with all of that, we can still be ourselves not in a good place. Where we're not in a good place. Even though we've been promised the good life, sometimes there are things about our lives that are not good. Can I get a witness out there? Amen. Hey, listen, the Bible says God, uh, all things work together for good to them that love God and are the called according to it. He said God is able to work all things to good, but he didn't say all things were good. There are some bad things that happen in life. There are some heartbreaks. There are some disappointing things. There are things that fall apart in our lives. It's not good. Those things are not good. And yet, we can live a good life. Because God is a good God. And He works for good all the time. But when bad things happen... I have a choice I have to make. Am I going to live in the goodness of God in the land of the living or am I going to bypass the goodness living the good life because things are bad? We have a choice we have to make. Have you ever heard someone say or maybe you've said it about yourself, I'm just not in a good place right now. Like I'm emotionally strung out. I'm mentally stressed. I'm... My relationships are not, we're not firing in all cylinders. Something's wrong. I, I just don't feel like I'm in a good place. We, we refer to that as our soul being out of peace. When our soul is out of peace. Even though Jesus said, my peace I give to you. My peace I leave with you. We would say, nope, not me. I'm fresh out. I don't have it. I'm not at peace. In fact, I'm not, not only not at peace, I'm at war. There's a war going on. There's a war going on. And uh, you know when you're, you're there. And this is where we are in this story of Mary and Martha. It seems like such an inconsequential story of two sisters that apparently are bickering over some simple meal preparation. But how many of you know that the simple little skirmishes on the outside, oftentimes unbeknownst to us, are a picture of deeper issues? Something else going on. This is, out here, there's this. There's fuming, there's bickering, there's fussing, there's anxiety, there's stress, there's busyness. Out here, it's all, and, and if, everybody, if everybody else would just get their act together, we wouldn't have this. And Jesus lets Martha know, Martha, there's something going on in you. And he says to her in no uncertain terms, you're not in a good place. You know me. You know who I am. You are well acquainted with me. You know the good life, but you're not in a good place. And he said, the issue is a choice. The difference between where Mary's at and where you're at is as simple as a choice. And so, I don't know how many of you in here have ever struggled with the Martha syndrome. That's when you're out of your brain, you're out of your head, things are not well, you're not in a good place, and you're not in a good space. That's the Martha syndrome. You know what Jesus does? He gives us a Mary solution for a Martha syndrome. 
And what I want to do over the next couple of moments is I want to talk about making the choice to step into the good life. And what I have here is just some simple little stuff. Now remember, just remember what I tell you. I didn't want to bring this message, so if you don't like it, don't blame me. But I just want to talk about some simple little principles out of this story to help us to choose to step into the good life, even when things aren't so good, even when we're not necessarily in a good place. Okay? So number one, if we want to choose to have the good life, number one, the very first thing I see in this story is that we need to maintain a relationship with Jesus Christ. We need to maintain an ongoing, life-giving relationship with Jesus. Can I tell you something? What is more important to Jesus, what, what is more important to him is not that you live the Christian life, but that you live in relationship with him. What he wants more than anything from you and with you is a relationship. That's what he really wants. And we see it here in verse 38. It says that when Jesus was coming through this town of this little village of Bethany, this is where Martha and Mary and Lazarus, remember the, the guy that he raised from the dead, these were his very close friends. And when he came to town, he was always going over to their house. And they were always opening the door to him because they were his best friends. He loved them. John tells us that Jesus loved Martha and Mary and Lazarus. He had, an, he had an intimate friendship and relationship with them. And every time he came to town, he wanted to go to their house. He wanted to be in their life. He wanted to be in their presence. He wanted to be with them. And not only did he want to be with them, but every time Jesus came to town, they fully expected, we want Jesus to come into our house. We want Jesus to sit at our table. This is so important to us. We love Jesus, and we know that Jesus loves us. Can I just tell you today that intimacy and relationship with Jesus is what he wants with every single one of us in this room today. And it's what we need with him. I really need him. I need a relationship. I don't need to just learn how to live a Christian life. All of that comes in its place and in its time, and there are things we need to do and need, things we need to stop doing, but listen, none of that is going to happen in my life outside of a relationship with Him. Because when I'm in relationship with Him, then He has influence, and then He has impact over my heart. And this is so important to Jesus. He said to His own disciples one day, no longer do I call you servants, I call you friends. Because servants don't know what the master is up to. But you, you are different to me. You're not my servants. I don't want to just sit around and bark out orders and tell you to do this and stop doing that and go to church here and do this work and do that work and don't do this thing. I want a relationship with you. I want you to be my friends. I want you to come alongside of me every day of your life. Remember in the book of Revelation, Jesus wrote seven, church, seven letters to seven churches. Seven brides for seven... Anyway, seven, seven letters to seven churches. The last church, Laodicea. Jesus wrote a letter to them. He called them his church. And he highlighted some of their successes. But then at the end of it, he says to them, I'm standing at the door knocking. And if any one of you would open your door to your house, to your life, to your heart... I will come in and I will dine with you and you with me. 
You know what was Jesus was saying to this church, these people, this church, these quote-unquote Christians neglected a relationship with Jesus and they suffered for it. Jesus was kind of on the outside. He was not really, they weren't in intimacy and relationship and friendship with God. Listen, I want to tell you something here today. There is no good life. We cannot lead and live a good life outside of a relationship with Jesus. It's not possible. He wants to come into your house. He wants to live in your house. He wants to be in your life. Every day. Now, I want to ask you a simple question. You don't have to answer me out loud. Do you feel close to Jesus? Are you close to Jesus? I'm not asking you, are you saved? I know you're saved. Or maybe, you, maybe you're saved. Maybe you're not. You can get saved. Amen. Today. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Amen. But how close are you to Jesus? Because I want to tell you something. Jesus wants a relationship, and he wants a close relationship. And like every relationship, listen to me, like all relationships, a relationship with God requires effort. Come on. Are you with me? In order to feel close to Jesus, and in order to be close to Jesus, we have to know Him. And in order to know Him, listen, we have to spend time with Him. You gotta spend time with Jesus. This is what we're talking about relationship now. We're not just talking about, are you a Christian? I know you're a Christian. But I'm asking you, do you spend time with the Lord? Do you have a relationship with Him? Where in your house, he's your priority. Remember what Joshua said? As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That takes effort. That takes concentration. That takes priority. We don't fit God into our lives when it is, you know, when it's absolutely necessary. He is the Lord of our lives. And he's here. He's in my life. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Listen, it's like driving a car. Eventually, a car runs out of gas, and it needs to be refueled. And that's, our, that's what our spiritual lives are like. If we don't refuel our hearts in a relationship, it's like we're going to be empty tanks, unable to function, unable to go anywhere, because we need the fuel of His presence. We need that relationship with Jesus. And there are two great, I think there are two enemies of this relationship with Jesus. I would, I'm just going to say it like this. Busyness and battles. Battles that we face, spiritual struggles, things that we're going through. Sometimes we get it, we kick into, we kick into, uh, whenever we're going through a struggle, whenever we're going through a, uh, a battle, we, you know, we kind of kick into self-preservation -preserva mode. We try to figure it all out. And then we'll get back to church. We'll be, get back to God. We'll get back to devotions. We'll get back to the Bible. We don't realize that's what's killing us. That's why we're laying wounded in defeat. And busyness, busyness is another problem because everybody's busy. But listen, if you don't prioritize your relationship with the Lord, you can be like ships passing in the night all the time. And it happens in our marriages. 
And if you want your marriage to be healthy, you got to have a relationship. Amen. You say, well, I got, we, we got so many things going on, but you can't, you can't afford to lose what you need to have going on, if you know what I mean. Come on now. Are you with me out there? I'm not talking dirty. I'm just talking. We need to prioritize a relationship with the Lord. We need a quiet time with Him. He comes to our house, sits in our chair, lives in our world, and there's no good life without it. Amen. Now, the second point that I want to bring out of this passage is like it, but it goes a little bit deeper. Not only maintain a good relationship with Jesus, but we need to prioritize devotion to the Lord over duty for the Lord. Devotion over duty. Now, this is really important because this story shows us that it says that Martha welcomed him into her house, and she had a sister called Mary who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha, everybody say, but Martha. But Martha, but Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went to the Lord and was like, don't you care? Tell her to get off her rear and get in here. Because there's stuff to do. How many know there's always stuff to do? Come on, are you with me out there? There's always something to do. Now listen. Somebody eventually was going to have to cook a meal. And if you have children, you know what I'm talking about. Right? At some point, somebody's got to prepare dinner. And Jesus is in the house. They love his presence. They're in relationship with him. They love listening to him. But Martha decided it was time to eat. And maybe it was time to eat. But what happened to Martha and Jesus you know, basically rebukes her lovingly. He rebukes her. Basically, what happened was she, she became so obsessed about what needed to be done that she was missing the moment of being in his presence. She was missing the Lord because there was responsibility, but it became an obsession to her. It became the thing to do. So much so that Jesus himself says, listen, you're, 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 you're out of your head now. You're, 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 you're out of peace. You're not in a good place. And it's because you think what you do for me is more important than just being with me. But I want to tell you today, and I think this is so important, that what I do with Jesus is far more important than what I do for Jesus. Because doing for Jesus is good. There's, there's always sermons that's got to be prepared. Children have got to be fed. All these things have got to be done in our life. But if I want to be effective at what I do, I, get, I just got to be with him. Everything I put my efforts into, all the responsibilities that I've got to accomplish have to come out of the overflow of just being with him. And we get it switched around. I'm so busy. I'm such warfare. I've got to, I got to do all this and do that so I can have, maybe I'll make room for God. No, it's the, it's the wrong way. And it's the way that's killing us. It's not working. And then we turn around and say, I'm not in a good place. I'm just not in a good place. 
Yeah, all my life he has been faithful. whoop de doo We need to prioritize devotion to with Jesus to duty for Jesus. Love him. Be in his presence. Like Andrew read to us this morning about, and I, I have it written in my notes. Go home and tell Andrew. Because Andrew, I thought of that whole uh, just abiding, just devoted to the Lord. And I thought of that story of Moses where he would pack up his own little tent and go outside of the, tent, out, outside of the camp of Israel. And he would pitch his tent and get into it with the presence of God. And, he would, and the people would stand at the door of their tent and they would watch him go out to the presence of the Lord. And the Bible says they knew, the people in town knew about God, but Moses knew God. Hallelujah. And he would go out there and he would spend time and he would take Joshua with him because he's mentoring Joshua and Joshua is going to be the next guy in charge and Joshua would go out there and he loved the presence so much that Moses would go back home and Joshua would stay in the presence of God. He didn't want to leave because he knew devotion. There's, there's always something to do. I read somewhere, uh, see if I can try to get this right, because I don't have it in my notes, but we can hardly overestimate the unimportance of almost everything. So we make everything so important to where we miss the most important thing. And it stresses us out, and it gets us in knots, And we're not in a good place. And even though we've been called to the good life. Is this doing anything for anybody? Now look at what it says here in verse 39. It says that she had a sister called Mary who also sat at Jesus' feet. Let me just kind of, let me, because people make, they they make a difference between Mary and Martha. Like Martha was, you know, she's the... um, She's the practical one, you know, she's the one that gets all the jobs done. And Mary's, you know, she's like the little worshiper over here. She's just living in la-la land. And, but, but actually, if you read the scriptures and you're careful to read it, it says here that she had a sister called Mary who also sat at Jesus' feet, implying that Martha knew how to sit at Jesus' feet. She knew when to work, but she also knew when to sit, and there were times to sit, and there was a time to work. What happened with her is she got imbalanced in what she was trying to, what, what she was trying to do. But then also, go a little bit further, I'm just kind of giving you a little tidbit here in verse 40, when Martha is talking to the Lord, she says, Mary has left me. Meaning that Mary was, Mary started out in the kitchen with her, Mary started preparing the meal, but at some point, what Jesus was saying was more important, what Jesus was serving was more important than what they were preparing. And so, she left the kitchen, she had to get to the presence of the Lord, she wanted to be with Jesus, and so, but we see Jesus, notice what it says here in verse 39, that she sat at Jesus' feet. There are three times in the scripture where we read of Martha's sister, Mary, three times. And every time she's at the feet of Jesus. She's at the feet of Jesus here. 
listening to his word because she knows that what Jesus is saying is the most important stuff you will ever know. You need the word of God in your life every day of your life. Every day that you wake up, Jesus wants to come over to your house and he wants to sit there with you in your bedroom, in your living room, with your Bible open, with your ears open. Listening to the words of Jesus, being at the feet of Jesus every day. No matter what battles are going on, no matter how busy you are, Jesus is coming over to your house and he wants you to sit at his feet and just listen to what he has to say. But a second time we see her, if you remember the story when her brother Lazarus died and they called for Jesus to come and Jesus didn't show up right away because he was going to work a miracle and he was going to show the world his resurrection power and his promise. But their hearts were broken because their brother died. And the Bible said in John eleven thirty two, I think it is, it says that when Mary came to where Jesus was and she saw him, she fell, read it with me, fell down at his feet. And she said to him, Lord, where, if you would have been here, if you would have been here, how many ever felt like the Lord didn't show up in your life when you asked him to? Is there anybody here like that? Like you prayed for healing. You prayed for God to work something out, but, he, but, but it didn't happen the way that you thought it would. You know what Mary does in her grief, in her sorrow, in her heartbreak? She gets to the feet of Jesus. The last thing you and I need to do is shut off our spirit to the Lord because we're upset about the way things haven't panned out in our life. And so she was listening to his word in Luke 10, but here she's pouring out her woes. Does anybody have any woes going on? I mean, any woe, like, oh God, this is hurtful, this is painful, this is heartbreaking. I'm so, I'm so heartbroken. You know what the Bible tells us to do? Cast all your care upon the Lord, for he cares for you. Amen. Amen. Pour out your woes. The third time we see her at the feet of Jesus, it's only three times in the Bible that Mary's mentioned every time at the feet of Jesus, is in John chapter 12. And Jesus is on his way through to go die on the cross. And the Bible says that Mary took a pound of very costly oil of spikenard, anointed the feet of Jesus, and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with fragrant oil. She was at his feet to listen to his words, to pour out her woes, and to give him her worship. To give him her worship. In that day and in that time when you were traveling, you know, how many of you know people back then didn't take showers every day? Are you with me? They didn't bathe every day. They had sandals. Their feet would get dirty. So a custom was when a guest would come over, there was usually some child or some servant that was relegated to washing the feet of guests. And so they would take their sandals off. They would wash their feet. And oftentimes the, the house, the person that was a, 
the owner of the home had a had a little jar of oil and they would because you know you don't take showers you end up stinking so they would take fragrant oil and they would dab oil on them and there would be kind of like oh you know we're glad you came over but here here's some oil you know and and they would they would oil them up a little bit you know you know like a little little um, you know uh yeah air freshener <laughs> cologne i was trying to think of cologne you know, psh, psh, you know that sort of thing but anyway so mary what does she do when jesus comes over He's on his way to Calvary. She didn't fully understand that. But she was giving her her worship. And she took her very costly oil and poured it a pound of it over his feet and took her hair and wiped him clean. Selfless, pure worship. Jesus is worthy of all your worship. He's worthy of it. Amen. So we need to prioritize devotion over duty. The third thing I get out of this story, I only have four, so this is number three. We're we're coming home. We need to deal with our heart issues. You see, when you get into a place like Martha... You know this is really about what's going on in your heart. You know that, don't you? It's really about what's going on in here. You can blame out here. You can point the finger out here. But that, this, that just really doesn't go anywhere. Come on. Anybody know what I'm talking about? That doesn't go anywhere. That doesn't solve anything. And so Jesus... Martha comes to Jesus, and she's distracted with much serving. She approaches the Lord. She says, don't you care that my, my sister's left me to serve alone? Tell her. And what we see, when, when your heart is not in a good place, there's, it manifests in our life. And we, well, first of all, we get distracted with much. We've got so many things that we've got to do that we get distracted, and it pulls us away from just being with Jesus, being totally devoted to the Lord and letting, and letting out of our devotion, letting the wisdom and the strength to do what we need to do come. And we get it backwards. And she's distracted. And the word distracted here in the Greek, this is the only time in the New Testament this word is ever used. And it literally means to drag around. And so all these demands and all these responsibilities that she thinks she's got to get done, really what they're doing is they're dragging her around. She doesn't have any control. The demand of the hour, the demand of the moment, what's going on, and where is this coming from? It's not the outside forces. It's what she's thinking. It's what she's doing on the inside, and it's just dragging her all around. You ever felt like you've been dragged through the mud? (laughs) Amen. And that's what's happening. The demand of the moment. The demand of the moment is controlling you. And here's another thing. In our heart, what happens to us is not only are we distracted in our heart, but we we become disappointed with people. Look at what she said. She said, Lord, don't you care? Like, first of all, 
I'm not really happy with you, Lord, because if you could see what I was doing in that hot kitchen, you would have her come right in here with me right now. So I'm not happy with you, first of all, but she has left me. Are you, are you hanging with me? You know what she's doing here? She's pointing the finger. She's my problem. And you too, by the way. Neither one of you are helping me out here. Can I tell you that people may cause you problem, but they are not your problem. Listen, you can't blame the preacher. But listen, I can't blame you either. I'm not your problem, and you are not my problem. I've got problems. It just doesn't happen to be you. It may come in the form of you, but what's happening is what's my twistedness in my own soul, in my own spirit. I'm out of peace. Amen. And, here, and here's one of the biggest problems. We expect things of people. And that's our biggest problem. Can I tell you something? You can always expect something from God because God is not a man that he should lie. He's, he's not a liar. If, he's, if he said something, he's good for it. It may not come in the time you want it. It may not come in the way you thought it. But he's good for it. When he makes a promise, he's not a man that he should lie. But let me tell you something about men. Can, I t- can we talk about us? Can we talk about us? Don't expect anything. In the end, if we expect certain things, we're going to always be heartbroken. Now, if they come through, we can throw a party. But if they don't, no harm, no foul. I didn't expect anything anyway. (laughs) Come on. Can we talk? See, what happened with Martha is because of the, the demand of the moment in her mind, this had to be done. She placed expectations on everybody else to fall in line with what she saw needed to be done. And people don't see like what you see, and they don't feel what you feel. And they don't know what you know. And they are surely going to fail you. So we need to let each other off the hook from the get-go. Amen. So she was distracted with much service. She was disappointed with people. And you know what that always leads to? Demanding of control. I love her words. Tell her to get into this kitchen right now. That's control. She wanted control. Have you learned by now that you have no control? Come on. You thought, I'll marry him and I'll fix him. (laughs) You lost. You did not win. I'll control her. She is the neck that turns that head quicker. Amen. 
Come on, this is all true. You can't control things and you can't control people. And in fact, the Lord may be wanting you to lose your grip. He may just want you to lose your grip on things where you're having to trust Him and let Him have grip of everything. Amen. So we need to deal with those hard issues. The final thought that I want to share with you is that we need to stay focused on the one thing. If we're going to have a good life, it's a, it's a matter of choice. It's a matter of maintaining, choosing to maintain a relationship with Jesus. And out of that relationship, prioritizing devotion over duty. There's a place for cooking the meals. But let it be met out of being with him. And then when things spring up in us, manifest, distractions, disappointments, right? Demanding control, deal with those issues of the heart because that's coming out of your heart. That's your issue. That's your problem. Amen. Take responsibility for your heart. But then finally, we need to stay focused on the one thing. And I love what Jesus said. She said... Look at it verse again in verse 40. She said, therefore tell her to help me. And then Jesus answered and said to her, Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. No. <laughs> I had to say that. That's, that's the wrong family. That's the, that's the Brady Bunch. Uh, anyway, she, he said, Martha, Martha. Now listen, when Jesus says your name once, right? but it, when he says it twice... You better perk up. He says, Martha, Martha, you are worried. You're stressed. You're troubled. That word troubled means you're, there's a tumult going on. There's, a, there's, a, 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 there's a, a storm going on in you. You're troubled about many things. Your mind is all over the place. You're trying to fix this. You're trying to do that. You're trying to accomplish that. You need, you know, you're just everywhere. That's about how I felt last night in preparation of this, just all over the place. God, this isn't going to be good. It isn't going to work. Shut up, he says to me. <laughs> Go to bed. And you know what I did? I did. I went to bed. I closed the book and I said, forget about it. He said, Jesus said, there's one thing. One thing is needed. Everybody say that with me. One thing is needed. Let's say it again. One thing is needed. And Mary has chosen it. Mary's not better than Martha. But in that moment, Mary got it. And she has chosen it. Things are good with her. <laughs> She's got a good life, and things are good with her. Come on, how many of you want to be in that place? To have a good life, but to be in a good place, in that good life. And so Jesus says to her, it's the one thing. Now, those of us who are older may remember this, the show City Slickers. Do you remember City Slickers? And remember Curly, the, the old rancher cowboy? And he said something to the guys that were up, the city slickers that were out there on this cattle drive. He says, you got to, 
He says, you've got to find the meaning to life. And Billy Crystal's character said, oh, yeah, what is that? And Curly held up his one finger. And then Billy Crystal said, what, your finger? <laughs> That's a great line. And then he's like, no. He said, it's one thing. It's one thing. And Billy Crystal's character said, well, what is the one thing? And he said, that's what you got to find out. You got to find that out. What's the one thing? Well, here in this story, the one thing at the moment was listening to Jesus. What was Jesus saying? Because she was in the kitchen But she left Martha in the kitchen. She heard something out there. She heard something that triggered something in her heart that evidently she needed in that moment. And that was her one thing. That's what I need. I need that. And Martha's in there steaming and fuming and bothered and upset. But Mary's out there getting healed, getting fed getting strengthened. Jesus said basically to Martha, I'm the one thing. It's me. I'm the one thing. But then I was thinking about the one thing, and I remember in other parts of the Bible, there's also that one thing. David said in Psalms 27, verse 4, he said, One thing I have desired of the Lord, and that will I seek that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. You know when he said that, if you read the context of that whole passage, he starts out, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? If an enemy come up against me, an army encamp all around about me, I will not fear one thing I have desired. When you're in a battle, when all hell is coming against you, you have one thing, the presence of God. Your one thing is to get into the presence of God because you're in something that's in over your head. You're not going to be able to help yourself, save yourself, or fix yourself. You need God's presence. And so we need to turn our battles and our, those things that we find ourselves in into the one thing of His presence. Amen? Here's another one. This one's found in Luke chapter 18 where a rich young ruler came to Jesus. And he said, what must I do to have eternal life? And Jesus said, well, for starters, just do the commandments. And he said, oh, I'm good at that. I've done that since I was a little boy. And then Jesus looked at this rich young ruler. And he said, there's one thing you do lack. Take all your wealth and your possessions and distribute them to the poor. Then you will have riches in heaven. Then come follow me. You know what the Bible said about that? That rich young ruler hung his head, turned around and walked away for he had great wealth. See, sometimes the one thing might be that Jesus is saying to you, you're holding on to something that you think is of great value to you but it's not going to get you where I want you to go. And if you want to go with me, you're going to have to let that go. You think it's the most important thing. And 
without it, you will be half the person you are. But really, you'd be the whole person I destined you to be if you'd just give it up. I'm going to tell you something. Walking with Jesus is a serious business. He may ask things of you, and he doesn't leave you a choice. You either walk with him or you'll walk away from him. But he's all in. He's, he's, he's serious about this. Amen. Amen. And then there was another one I want to show you in the scriptures. It's found in Philippians chapter 3, verse 13. Paul says, Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting. Everybody say forgetting. forgetting. Read this with me. Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to the things which are ahead. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Paul said at a certain point in his life, as he was sitting in a jail cell, um, bound to guards, writing this book. And he said, One thing I need to do, one thing, is forget my past so I can go on to my future. And for some of us in this room, that's the one thing, Jesus. He has you at a place right now in your life, and he's saying, are you ready to forget about it? Because you can't go to the upward call of God in Christ Jesus and still be there. One of the most weightiest things that keeps us from reaching, attaining, it's right here. It's what we're thinking. It's the stuff we're not forgetting. We're not forgetting about the hurt, the pain, the brokenness, or even the successes that we once had. And we're holding on to those and living out of those. And you got to let them go. Why? Because God has an upward call. It's always onward and upward. Yeah. Buzz Lightyear to infinity and beyond. John. Praise God. Stay focused on the one thing. I don't know what the one thing is. Maybe it's just listening to what Jesus is saying to you right now. Or maybe it's his presence. Or maybe it's letting go of something you think is valuable, but it's not valuable to you. Or it's forgetting about it. Maybe there's somebody that's really hurt you. You've been really devastated. You know, you have to forget it. I mean, you'll you'll probably always have a memory of the pain. But you're going to have to forget about it. You're going to have to. Amen. You don't hate me, do you? I don't care if you hate me right now. You're going to have to forget about it. You're going to have to forget about it. Because the Lord's calling you onward and upward. Amen. Let's stand together. Can I have the prayer uh, intercessors come to the front? Those of you who are going to be praying for people. Now, here's what we believe. We believe. We believe in God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. We believe in the promises of God's word. And we believe in the power of prayer. And if we carry a burden, if we carry a heartache, if we're sick in our body, or if we're going through something, or maybe something I've talked about here that maybe you, you could say, yeah, that's a, I've been struggling in that area. We have provided f- 
for there to be a place of prayer. If you carry any burden, if you've come in with any burden or any need in your life, you don't have to leave here carrying it out. You can come and just let some people pray with you and pray for you. So I want to invite you to come and do that in a moment. I'm going to pray a prayer dismissal. And if you would like prayer about anything in, that maybe we've even talked about, maybe you would be honest and say, you know, I've got some Martha issues and I want to deal with that. It's okay. We all do. We all have. And uh, we can get that fixed. Let's pray. Father, we want to thank you for your presence here today, for your word, for your truth. Jesus, you said you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And Lord, I just pray that this word today will be like a time-release capsule, Lord, that, that over the next hours and over the next days, that the word that we've ingested here today, that the, the, the power release of that word will continue to overflow in our lives. God, we don't want to just, we want to live the good life. We don't want to just know about it. We want to live it emotionally, mentally, relationally. We want to live it. So Lord, help us not to soon forget the truth of your word here today. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody says amen.